Go ahead and have a seat. Go ahead and have a seat. Didn't you love seeing and hearing from the EBC Choir today? Amen. Wasn't that awesome? Let's give them another great round of applause. Man, that brought an energy that I love being a part of. And uh, we're excited about you being here in our second service this morning. We had a great first service today. Welcome to all of you. Welcome to our guest. We are starting a brand new series today called Healthy Church. And we're going to be looking over the next few weeks in this month of June about what a healthy church biblically, what does that look like? What does that mean? We know that the church is made up of individuals. It's made up of people like you. Many of you are part of this church, and, and, and we want to be certain that as, as we are taking steps moving forward as a church, that we are, we are healthy from the inside out, that we are healthy as, as membership, that you personally are spiritually healthy as we continue to move forward with what God has called us to do. And, and again, you know, I just was sitting here in the first service this morning, just hearing the choir sing, singing along with them, worshiping with the congregation, worshiping with you this morning in this second service here. And I have to tell you this, that Hope and I, and Hope is my wife, Hope and I saw this 14 and a half years ago. Now, I didn't see your, your individual faces. I didn't know what you would look like. I didn't know who would be here. But we saw this. We saw people gathering together, feeling called to come together and to exalt Jesus' name, to serve together as a church, to want to be a healthy church. And, and so by God's leading, we launched out 14 and a half years ago to plant a church here in this Eagle Mountain Saginaw area, and which is an area that I grew up in. I went to Boswell High School. I grew up out in this area. And so God called me to plant a church. And when we started the church, you need to know this. I was in my 20s, okay? I was in my 20s. Some of you are doing math now, okay? And uh, I'm 43, I think. Um, I was in my 20s whenever we started the church. And very young, we had come out of a out of some, and I'm just telling you like it is, a few difficult church situations. We didn't leave a church mad or leave a church, you know, as a split or anything like that. We can tell you we weren't a church split. We truly were a church plant, okay? And we were... Um, we were sent out by the church that we were a part of, but there were some difficulties in the churches that we had served in. And, and truthfully, Hope and I were just so eager and desiring to plant a church that was going to be a healthy church. We knew it wasn't going to be a perfect church, but we wanted to plant a church that was going to be healthy. And as I started in, in my 20s, I was still in seminary. I was... Uh, uh, our son, Luke, was, was a, I guess he was about three at the time, somewhere. He was a toddler. So working on my master's degree, trying to finish school, planning a church, which was a full-time job in and of itself. Um, there was a lot of, of, just being honest, there was a lot of not knowing really what I was getting into. I didn't know what it was going to look like. I didn't know what being a, an actual uh, pastor that was responsible for a congregation. I'd been on staff at, at several churches, but I'd never been a lead pastor. I didn't know what that was, all that was going to entail. I mean, I, I, I'm just so thankful that God called us to do this, but I didn't know all that was going to be happening. Aren't you glad that whenever God does maybe give you a vision or give you some vision to do something or call you to do something, if you'll notice, God doesn't give you all of the details up front, does he? Okay. And there's a couple of reasons for that. One, it might absolutely just 
scare us to death if we were to know all the details and all the struggles and all the things that would come along with that. So God doesn't do it that way. And I'm thankful for that because what that means is that it's going to have to be done in faith. And we know that faith is what honors God. Faith is what pleases God. And so as we started, we we started in total dependence upon God just saying, God, you're going to have to do this. You're going to have to show us what needs to be done. You're going to have to correct us when we need correcting. And we started off and we just wanted to be very humble as we began in that process. But as we started, we were very young and there was great passion and there was great zeal. And and man, we were fired up and pumped up. But you also need to know there was great immaturity, (laughs) a lot of great immaturity on my part. And immaturity in our church. And, and I mean, really, when I thought about it this week, in a lot of ways, EBC and me have kind of grown up together. We're kind of grown up together. And, and, and one thing I know for sure, I'm not saying that we're completely matured. There's still a whole lot of room for me to mature spiritually and emotionally. There's a lot of room for, for me to mature. And I would also say this, there's a lot of room for our church to mature. We really need to grow more. And I'm not talking about numerically. We really need to grow more spiritually. And that is our desire is that we grow up together, that we spiritually mature together, that we are actually what biblically is described as a a healthy church. I want you to know I love being here. I love being the pastor at Eagles View Church. And I don't I don't want to say the pastor. I want to say a pastor here at Eagles View Church. I love serving here. I love this church. You're my family. As I said, we've kind of grown up together really in a lot of ways. I'm not looking to go anywhere else. And where there have maybe at certain times been opportunities that have kind of presented themselves, I have to be honest and say that it was intriguing for a few moments. But then I, I came back to the place of realizing, you know what? That's intriguing, but this is where God's called me. This is where I'm called to be. I love it because I'm called to be here. Let me also tell you why I love it. I love it because of you. I love being here because of you. I love that you want to be real. I love that you've bought in to the idea of transparency. That you've bought into the core value of being authentic. That you understand this as we have preached this from the get-go. That we are all jacked up, man. Amen? Am I talking to the right people? We're all messed up. We all are messed up in certain ways. We all have levels of brokenness, including your pastors. I love that so many of you have been fed up with what has been you've perhaps seen modeled in unhealthy um, churches. And we don't want to be critical. I'm not calling other churches out. That's not what today is about. That's not what this series is about. We need to be praying for churches that are struggling in that manner. But I love that you have wanted to be involved in something that is making a difference and something that is that is doing things right. And let me just qualify that by saying I don't I'm not saying that we're doing it all right and everyone else is doing it all wrong. I'm not saying that in any kind of way. When I say doing it right, what I say, what I'm saying about that is that you're wanting to do it right in the sense that you're wanting to do it biblical. That's what I mean. Not because of an idea that I had or Pastor Randy had. But, but that we really want to, on a regular basis, check ourselves to be sure that we're being biblical. 
to be sure that we understand that God's word is what matters whenever it comes to the health of our church? Are we lining up with what scripture says? And I love that, that you have a strong desire to be biblical. I love that you have a strong desire to be teachable. And that as we grow and as modifications need to happen and as we, as we need to uh, you know, continue to, to tweak things here and there, that you have a, a teachable spirit about that. That's just some of the reasons that I love being here. There are a number of other reasons like breakfast burritos and man church food and the one of you that made bacon ice cream a few years ago. I mean, those are some of the other reasons, but I didn't know about bringing those up. But is it sick that they all have to do with food? I don't know. Maybe. But, but there are so many serious reasons that I just love being here. I love this church. This isn't just a place that I just want to work. This is, this is family to me. This is family to us. And, and, and so we're, we want to say we know that we are not perfect. We know that we have brokenness. We, we want to be real about that. And by God's grace and all to His glory in spite of me, and I mean that. I was thinking this week, God, in spite of me, God, you continue to bless our church. You, you've blessed us and, and have preserved us over 14 years, you know, because there have been a lot of churches that have, that have tried to plant and, and, and many, many churches that try to plant a lot of them don't make it for a number of different reasons because it's really, really hard. And, and, and there's all kinds of reasons. So I feel very blessed. I feel very blessed that we are growing and, and, and we fully believe that if, that if we keep on exalting Jesus Christ, lifting Him up above any personality, we lift Jesus Christ up. If we keep preaching the Bible, if we keep following the Holy Spirit's lead, if we keep staying humble and we want to be teachable, if we keep having this willingness to modify and tweak things whenever it's necessary and that there aren't sacred cows when it comes to methods, but we want to be certain that instead we're following what Scripture says, if we, if we keep stepping out in faith, if we keep loving people and really focusing in on people, if we keep repenting when we need to repent, can I just tell you something? We're going to keep growing. That's the kind of church that people want to be a part of. God is going to continue to bless. We're going to keep growing. And, and in fact, just, just as we're growing, I just want to say this, that, that at the beginning of the year, we, we, uh, we reached out to a company that was supposed to come and, and assess us as we're taking steps to relocate. As we've outgrown this facility, as many of you know that, and as we're relocating out to Bailey Boswell, we reached out to this company to come and assess and help us know how to make modifications as we have to continue to grow here. As we do some of these things, how do we take some of the steps? And their assessment found that over the last few years, we've grown by a regular rate of, of, of about 20%. We continue to grow. We had to add a third service. And, you know, and this is the beginning of the summer months. And you can already kind of see it's kind of full, you know. And so God just continues to bless. And what they ended up telling us is that here's what the church growth experts say. You shouldn't be growing where you're at. This shouldn't be happening. You have no visibility. You have no parking. You're on one acre of land. Um, 
you have horrible hallways, your building stinks. That's kind of what they told us. We paid them to criticize us, okay? And that's what they did. They, they more or less said, this shouldn't be happening. But what does that tell you? God is up to something awesome, church. Amen? Aren't you glad about that? And we have said from the get-go that we don't ever want to judge the success or measure the success of our church based upon a building. You don't come here for the building. We know. And you know what? We want to be sure that as we're taking steps forward, that that's not what we transition to either. We don't want to be about a building. Buildings are tools. Buildings are nice. You know, they're helping us know how to put all this together. They're, they're walking with us through this, and it's exciting. And, and I say this very strongly. Although we are relocating, and we are going to have newer facilities, and we are going to have space, and we aren't going to have potholes to park in, and we are going to have different kinds of... Doesn't all that sound nice? Oh, it sounds nice. Okay? But that's not who we'll be. That's not who we are. I mean, God has done so much more. The, the, you know, the American church, one of the ways that, unfortunately, excuse me, one of the ways that we have, uh, we have measured success in the American church a lot of times is by numerical growth and then also by facilities. And I want you to know there's something sick about that. There's something sick about that. I'm not saying that a church that's alive shouldn't grow because I believe that that's biblical and I believe that it will. But, but it's not about facilities. We've measured success by quantitative growth as opposed to qualitative growth. I want you to know that, that if you, this is where you're called to be, then you have pastors and leaders that are more about pro-church health than anything else. That is really what we want. That is really what we feel passionate about. We want this church to be healthy. We want to be a lean, mean, Jesus-exalting machine, all right? That's what we believe God has called us to do and to be about, not about just a few personalities. So as we move into transitions and, and, and move into these things that are happening, it's important that when we do that, that we make sure we're healthy prior to those kinds of things happening. You don't want to move and, and then, and we know we're going to grow. We know that that's going to happen. We're anticipating that. We don't want to like react. We want to be sure that we're proactive. Amen? We want to be sure that we're ready. We want to be sure that, that that's what God is doing in our hearts prior to what we know that he, as he's seeking to, to pour out even more. Let me say, I was reminded this week of why we are doing what we do. I got a call this week from the fire department. I do some work with them, and they call me when they, um, as I have a relationship with some of the guys over there, the Saginaw PD, and they call me as a pastor when they have a need for a family. And there was a family that had a, that they're new to the community, have been here for a little less than a year. They don't have any friends in the community, and they, they had a sudden loss of their 19-year-old son this week. And, and I was just reminded on that visit that people are looking for family they're looking for community they're looking for someone to care they're looking for someone to love they're looking for a place that is healthy as as we were able to begin reaching out to them even this week and and you know 
you love this church. I know that because so many of you tell us you love it for a lot of the same reasons that it feels real and that there's authenticity and that your your leaders will be transparent with you and we and we try to be that way with you and and you know that what God is doing here matters. For some of you, maybe you're new and you're trying to figure out where you're supposed to plug in to a church. In this series, you're going to discover some things about our church that, that perhaps God will show you this is where you're supposed to be. And if he doesn't, we rejoice in that too, that God will show you where you're supposed to be elsewhere. Today, I'm sharing my, my talk with you with my co-laborer in the ministry, Pastor Randy. He didn't just forget to step down after the prayer, in case you were wondering. He wasn't like trapped and caught. We're doing something kind of different today. We have a plurality of leadership here. We share in the ministry here together. It's exciting. And Pastor Randy, as you're going to hear from him in a few moments, four years ago, I was really praying for God to send somebody that I could share in ministry with, that I could co-labor with, that would work hard with me in loving people and praying for people and leading people and, and to be another spiritual elder in our congregation. And I'm speaking biblical eldership, what that looks like. And, and God connected me with Pastor Randy. And I won't go into how that happened, but there's no doubt that in God's sovereignty that he put us together at that specific moment. You should know I was on the brink of burnout as well. I was, you know, and, and our church was growing at that time. And I was, I was really, uh, you know, struggling personally and just emotionally kind of burned out. And, 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 uh, and God just really brought Pastor Randy at a great time in my life and a great time in our church's history. And as I said last week, he's a great Barnabas. He's a Barnabas. He's, a, he's, a, he's an encourager. He's someone that, that has encouraged me greatly, and, and I love that about him. I love working with him. And, and, and as we began that, we began this process of realizing um, that we needed to continue to grow that process. And that it wasn't always going to be the solution was going to be to hire more pastors. It can't always be that way. There has to be more to it than that. And so Pastor Randy, what he's going to do is he's going to begin to share with you a little bit about what Scripture says about healthy church growth and what that looked like in the early church. And as he, as he comes, let me say that over the last two years, I have done some biblical teachings on what elders look like spiritually, what, it's, what it speaks of in the Scriptures in First Timothy and in Titus, and that's not what we are going to be doing today. Because what we're going to be talking about today is spiritual leadership. We're going to talk about, about what that looks like in a healthy church and how that is supposed to continue to grow and expand and, and continue to modify where, as the church grows. And, and, and we want to talk about that, but we're not going to go into the details of what an elder looks like. If you want to know more about that, you can go back to the series we did last, last fall that was called We Are and look at the one that's called We Are Leaders as we talked biblically about what an elder is supposed to look like. You need to know this, that as we continue to grow, we've been laying groundwork for planting within your hearts and minds what that should look like and that our elders should be more than just staff, paid staff. There should be more than that. And, and, and God is going to call some of you and is calling some of you to, to step into those roles. Over the last year, we have gone through an assessment process of what our first non-staff elders of our church would look like. And we are now in the process of implementing that, of beginning to implement that. Our first team that goes beyond 
just staff people. And it's important that you know that all staff are not elders. And you should know this, that all elders will not be staff. We're beginning to implement this. We're presenting a couple of men before you today that that we've been observing. And when I say we, I'm talking about Pastor Randy and myself have been observing over the last year and just really making certain as we as we transition into expanding this further, that that these first two are are the ones that God is leading us to. And so, Pastor Randy, before we get into that, Pastor Randy is going to talk to you about healthy church growth. Tag, you're it. Boom. All right. It's the vibe. It's the Von Erics this morning is well, what we have. Someone said a minute ago before the first service, it was more like Bert and Ernie. That's and, what, and, and I don't know. And but, I don't appreciate that person who said that as but, well. Her name is Sarah Chestnut, and I'll give you her email <laughs> later if you would like. Uh, I'm thinking a little bit more Big Birdish right now is what I feel <laughs> at, at different times. But we want to talk about what really, what healthy uh, church growth is. What does that look like as we look at the church? One of the things we're trying to demonstrate, and we're not planning on doing tag team preaching every week, okay? That's not, we're not implementing that today. This is the first time we've ever done this in our ministries. But what we want to exhibit to you and put before you is a plurality of leadership. And it's a very biblical concept. How we get to the place in our churches where we have celebrity pastors, I'm not really sure because it doesn't look like a biblical concept of what shepherding really is all about in the first place. But let's go to God's Word and actually share what it says about biblical, healthy church growth and what that looks like. So we're going to go to Acts 2, 42 through 47. It's a very familiar passage as we look at the early church and what the early church is really about. But Acts 2 really defines for us what a healthy church looked like. But what we know is that it was evolving even as it was happening. So let's look at verse 42. It says, all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals. Yes, even bacon, Pastor Bart. Okay. However, they were Jewish, so they wouldn't have had bacon, and we are glad we're not Jewish. Okay, that's one. We even have a calendar in the church office that is a bacon calendar. It's a great, great thing. We'll have to share with you more later. But it says, that's right, (laughs) including the Lord's Supper, it says, and to prayer. That's what the church, that's what the early church was about. But we have to get a a vision of what that actually looked like. Remember that all of these early Christians at this point were all what before? They were Jews, right? And here was their pattern of worship on a daily basis. They would go to the temple. And as they would go to the temple, they would hear what the rabbi would have to say. And they would worship God through going to the temple. And when they became Christian, they didn't stop doing what they were doing before. We sometimes forget that. Well, then where does Acts 2 really fall into this? They are going to the temple, but now as the rabbi is teaching, he's teaching about this Messiah that is going to come, and they know what? He's already come. So now the things that the rabbi is teaching, that the rabbi doesn't even fully understand what he's teaching, but the new Christians understand now what he's saying. And there's healthy church growth that's taking place, but it's not just numerical. It has taken place in the life of the believers. Let's look at that. Verse 43 says, a deep sense of awe came over them all. This sense of awe was a greatness of who God is. They were growing deeper in who they were experiencing who God really is and what He wants to do in their lives. Just like we are growing in that experience of knowing what God wants to do in each of our lives as we obey Him each and every day. It says, and the apostles performed many miracles, signs, and wonders. And all the believers, 
met together in one place. Now, that's critical for us to think about. All the believers met in one place, but yet they were growing. So how did that really flesh out? We're going to talk about that. It says, and they shared money with, or they sold their property and possessions and shared money with those in need. So they grew in their faith in God. They grew in their fellowship with one another. They grew in their generosity and how they were giving to one another and meeting needs. And it says, and they worshiped together at the temple each day. And then they met in homes for the Lord's Supper and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. So what we see is a church that is growing, but it's growing very rapidly. We're going to do a little church math this morning, okay? I know some of you thought you were coming to church and you were going to read God's Word, and now you're, I'm telling you you're actually going to do math. I want you to see what God does. The first thing we see is in Acts 1.15, we see 120 believers gathered in the upper room, the same place where Jesus had the Last Supper with them. So in Acts 1.15, we see 120. Is it fully? Oh, there it is. It's a little off the screen in the back, but it's all up here. So we see 120. We go to Acts 2.41, and on that in that passage, what it says, right before we read what, what I read just a second ago, it says 3,000 were added in one day. Okay? That's a major growth factor, right? 3,000 added in one day. So we add that 3,000 to the 120. That means that we have, ladies and gentlemen, 3,120 believers at this point. So that's incredible growth. Then we see in Acts 4, 4, we see the the totality of what we're seeing happen is we see 5,000 men only. Now, in biblical times, many times they would count only the men. And so here's what we know. If if there are 5,000 men, and these are family units, we have a minimum of 5,000 men, 5,000 women, and typically at least one or two children. And these are Jewish families. So this is a minimum. The church is now 20,000 strong. By Acts 4, it's 20,000 strong. It is growing rapidly. What's the point? The point is, if it's growing rapidly, their leadership structure is also having to grow rapidly. So here's where we do the math. If you take 20,000, and how many apostles do we have at the time? Some would say 11, but they actually added Matthias. They cast lots. They went up to Oklahoma and cast lots and gambled for the next disciple. No, they didn't do it that way. But they did cast lots, and they chose Matthias as the 12th apostle because Judas had killed himself. And so now they have 12 of these apostles with over 20,000. Now, if you just do the math, that's 1,667 people per apostle. Now, we go to the Jewish home. Archaeologically, we can look at the Jewish home and know that they could not have held more than 20 people in one of these Jewish homes. So now we're talking life groups or home groups because that's what the Bible says that they did. They met in homes. That equates to that 1,667 to 83 different life groups for every apostle to oversee. That's a lot. At EVC right now, we have about 20, okay? If you look at this room this morning, you have about 140 to 150 people in this room this morning. And you can just imagine that this is what the church was in its inception. And then it exploded on this radical scale. And what happened? The leadership structure had to continue to grow. And our desire is not for this to be about any personality. Because as young as we think we are, 
We're not always going to be here. And we want EVC to live much longer past us and beyond us. And so what does that mean? It means we have to put into place a leadership structure that can continue to grow with us just like it grew in the growth of the New Testament church. We've said many times, we're not desiring to be the mega church. We want to be a healthy church. If God grows it even beyond anywhere we're at, it's going to be because He desires that and because the people of God are obedient to do that not because it's our desire, or to be celebrity pastors. What Paul said in his leadership development system, we see in 2 Timothy 2.2. He said, you've heard from me, Timothy, my young person in the faith who I've seen grow. I've seen the faith of your family. I've seen the faith of your mother, Lois. I've seen the faith of your grandmother, Eunice. And he says this, here's my leadership structure. Here it goes, Timothy. This is what it is. You've heard me teach these things that have been confirmed by many reliable witnesses. Now teach these truths, and here we go to the leadership structure, to other trustworthy people who will be able to pass them on to others as well. Healthy church growth means that we continue to develop leaders and we continue to pass this on to others. But it also means that we always are about people and we always are about shepherding. Pastor Barr? As we are about people, we want to be sure that people are being properly shepherded within our congregation as we continue to grow. So as we've grown and, and to have this, this healthy church, I mean, I, I, I want to confess something to you this morning. One of the things that I've, I've really shoved, struggled with as a shepherd over our flock is being able to shepherd and care for every person or every sheep, so to speak, that as God would describe it that way. I've struggled. When we started the church... I made every visit. I, I made every hospital visit. I baptized every person. I, I did every baby dedication. Um, I, I knew all of the, the details of what was happening in the lives of all of the flock at EBC because it was physically, I was physically able to do that. And let me tell you, I absolutely loved it. I loved it. It was exhilarating, but also it was exhausting. And, and that's why at about year 10... I started, I started really kind of getting to this place where there was nothing wrong um, except inside of me where I was just tired. And I, and, I, and I wasn't able to care for the flock the way that God had called me to. And so, again, through God's providence, he, he uh, connected me with Pastor Randy and I invited him to come over and to share with me in the ministry, to shepherd along with me. And we have two different kinds of personalities and I believe we do make a great team as the way that we love to work together. And, but something started happening in the last couple of years as we've even continued to grow more. And, and we had to launch into a third service. And, and you know, and all of these, and, and that, you know how challenging it is to be able to get to know folks around you, right? And one of the things I started discovering, and I just want to confess this to you, being real with you, I'm having trouble learning people's names. And I sometimes find out that I'm a pastor to somebody and I don't know their name. And I have to tell you, that drives me crazy and it concerns me. Sometimes it's discouraging to me. And sometimes I feel like a bad pastor because of it. And it it could be somewhat due to memory issues. It could be somewhat due to memory issues. It could be... Due to, uh, sorry, it could be 
had some concussions as a football player, probably. I don't know. But, but, but as I'm, it could be getting older. I know that's part of it. But here is, here is what I know is the biblical solution. The biblical solution is not more conferences on how to remember names better, although we really want to try in that. Here's what the biblical solution is. It's more shepherds. It's more shepherds who can care for people around us. We have to understand that as, the, as that healthy church growth happened, you need to know that those who were in places of church leadership, as the church continued to grow, it was not physically possible for them to know every single person and know every detail that was going on in their life. So what did they do? They raised up more shepherds. That's what they did. To be sure that people were being properly shepherded and properly cared for in a healthy kind of shepherding way. Peter talks about it in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 1. Look at what he says to, to the church there. As they were going through hardship, they were going through persecution, they were going through suffering. They needed shepherds to come alongside them and to care for them. And Peter says, so I exhort, I encourage the elders among you... As a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, I exhort the elders where? Among you. I exhort them, those that have been raised up, that as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed, they've been witnesses of the sufferings of Christ, they're also partakers in the glory of the witness, or that which is going to be revealed. Now look at what he says in verse 2. So this is what he says. Shepherd the flock of God that is among you. Shepherd that. that. That also translates care for. Shepherding. We've talked about shepherding when we looked at Jesus as the great shepherd a few weeks back. What does that talk about? Shepherding is, is this. It's, it's caring for. It's protecting. It's nurturing. It's being involved. It's, it's going after those that maybe get lost. It's, it's all of these kinds of things. He says, shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight. Now listen to how he says it should be done. Not under compulsion, but what's the word? But willingly. Willingly. There's an eagerness there. It's a joy. It's not a drudgery. These men have to greatly desire to care for and shepherd the flock of God. They are called to protect, to nurture, to correct, to love. And he says, do it as God would have you. Not for shameful gain, but what's the word? But what? Eagerly. Eagerly. What does this say? This says it's a calling from God. It's a calling to uh, from God. It's not just putting someone in just this position just to fill a role within the church. It's a calling that God raises up people among that particular congregation. And he says, and this is what I'm calling you to do, not and how you should do it, not domineering over those in your care or in your charge, not as a CEO, not as a dictator, not as a celebrity pastor, not as anything like that. What is he saying? No. He says, be examples of the flock. What kind of an example? Well, we want to emulate Jesus. What was Jesus like? Jesus didn't want to be a celebrity shepherd. What was Jesus about? Washing feet. Jesus was about serving. He modeled that. And now he says, look here, when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. Likewise, you who are younger, 
be subject to the elders. In other words, there's a mutual submission. Elders are to, to be humble and to serve the people of God, and, and as well as the people that they serve are to mutually submit to them. Through humility, there is a mutual submission that happens just like Ephesians talks about in chapter 5 between a husband and wife. There are different roles, but they are also to mutually submit to one another. They're in different roles, but they mutually submit as out of submitting to Christ. So he says, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourselves. Clothe yourselves. All of you. Now, how does he say? All of us as a church, we are to clothe, clothe ourselves with what characteristic? What is it? Humility. We are to be humble as elders. We are to be humble as congregants, as, as fellow church members. And, and he says, he says, clothe yourselves with this. For God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to what? He gives grace to the humble. He gives grace to this. We want to emulate our chief shepherd. We want to be a foot washer like our chief shepherd who, who laid his life down, who became obedient to death, as Philippians 2 would say, even death on a cross. And your response is loving submission to your leaders. That doesn't mean... You, that you are to live as a doormat. It doesn't mean you don't ask questions. It doesn't mean that, that you can't do that. It just means that you love them and you respect them and you care for them as well. You love their families. You pray for their families. You recognize the, the responsibilities that they carry and you come alongside them. We are called to mutually submit to one another. In verse 6, he says, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you. As we continue to humble ourselves in this way, God brings exaltation. And so because we're growing, we anticipate further growth. We always want to be about people. We want to be sure that you are being properly shepherded. And that it's not up to just a few individuals who can't remember all the things that need to be done. But there's also this, there's accountability that needs to happen. A healthy accountability. Pastor Andy? How are we actually accountable to one another? What does accountability really look like? I mean, you've heard the phrase that power corrupts and absolute power does what? Corrupts absolutely. This is not about personalities. It's not about power. It's not about an experience. I was actually at the barber shop this week. I know it's hard to remember. It's hard to look and see that I was not high and tight is what I like. All right. And so I'm sitting there in the chairs and there's one barber and he's wait, I'm waiting and he indicates to the rest knowing that I'm a pastor. Okay. I've tried to be, in, to be incognito at, up to this point, but he calls me out and says that I'm a pastor. And then he's trying to remember a pastor he's seen on TV, and he says, oh, you know, the one who had the huge house, the one who fell morally and all this, and the other guy said, well, that could have been any one of them. And I was like, coming to the heart. That's what pastors in the celebrity role are known for. One man that I know that I incredibly respect, a man named Neil Cole, reviewed an article this earlier this year and I sent it to, to Bart, and as we were thinking about it, what it said was, Satan will have no difficulty taking down the megachurch. Because in order to take down the megachurch, all he has to do is take down individuals. And these churches will often fall like dominoes. So what does healthy accountability look like within a congregation? What does it look like within pastors, within elders who share these roles? 
we look at healthy accountability also in Scripture, as we understand that as Paul dealt with this, there were oftentimes situations where, where churches were looking at different personalities. And these personalities would sometimes, they would check off one and say, well, I am a follower of this particular person, and I'm a follower of this particular person. So how did this healthy accountability take place? that it wouldn't just be upon one individual that Satan could take out. And here's the deal. We are not beyond falling. We want to share with you the transparency of our lives and help you know, you can ask our wives, you can ask our kids, that we struggle on a daily basis. We struggle with our own sin, and we want to be open and honest about that. But we also need to be held accountable for that. Because we are leaders, because we are at this place in our lives, and because we have the responsibility of leadership, we are called to a higher standard because God has called us to be these type of leaders. But here's what happened in, the, in, Corinth, in a place called Corinth. And as Paul wrote to, to the Corinthians, he says this, 1 Corinthians 3, 3 through 10, You are jealous of one another, and you quarrel with each other, doesn't that prove that you are controlled by your sinful nature? Aren't you living like people of the world? When one of you says, I'm a follower of Paul, and another says, well, I'm a follower of Apollos, aren't you acting just like people of the world? Here are these two spiritual elders in these churches, these people that they look to, and it was a system of jealousy where they said, well, I follow this person, or I follow Paul, or I follow Apollos, and there's jealousy. He says, after all, who is Apollos and who is Paul? We are only God's servants through whom you have believed the good news. Each of us did the work of the Lord that he gave us. I planted the seeds in your hearts and Apollos watered it. But it was God who made these things grow. It's not important who does the planting or who does the watering. What's important is that God makes the seed grow. The one who plants and the one who waters work together for the same purpose, and both will be rewarded for their hard work. For we are both God's workers, and you are God's field, you are God's building. Because of God's grace given to me, I've laid a foundation like an expert builder. Now others are building on it. But whoever is building on this foundation must be very careful, for no one can lay any foundation other than the one that we have already laid, and that is Jesus Christ. What's important as we think about accountability is that we are called as your leaders and pastors and elders to be accountable to Christ. But we need to be accountable to one another. The Bible says as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. I want you to know that we often get in trouble for the amount of fun that we have. Thank God for Karen Schwager who sits outside the office and will oftentimes say, boys, keep it down in there. Because we have such a great time. But we hold each other accountable in this. But that accountability is not just for us. As we raise up other leaders, there is a plurality of leadership. There's a plurality of accountability. That before God, we are more accountable to Him than we are to you. But we are accountable to you as well. And that accountability must continue to grow. So now as we think about what it means to be in healthy growth, what it means to health in a healthy way shepherd, what it means to in a healthy way have accountability. What steps do we need to take from here? Pastor Bart's going to share. I think that passage in First Corinthians just is so powerful, and it speaks to 
that health within a church where Paul recognized that there were different kinds of personalities, that there were different personalities that were used to make the church healthy in different kinds of ways. Paul said, I was used to, pl- to plant and get the seed going. Then he brought on this person who watered the seed. But what they had was a recognition of understanding that it was God. He said, God is the one that makes it grow. But he uses different people and different personalities in different ways. And I've had so much fun seeing God do that in the ministry that, that I get to share with Pastor Randy now in the different ways that God has done that. So, so here is where we're going with this today as we bring this all to conclusion today. What I want to do is I, I want to introduce to you two men that most of you who have been here for a while, you know very well. And I want to invite them to come down here to the front and I'm going to share with you what we're going to begin a process with them that's going to look like. I would like to invite Sam Red to come down here and Jerry Maxwell. And as these guys begin to make their way down here to the front, when we said we were ready to expand our elder team here at EBC, we wanted, we wanted men, as the scripture speaks of, of it being men, in, and uh, someone find Sam? <laughs> and uh, Okay, they're going to look for Sam. He is here somewhere. He's probably serving, being honest with you. And, uh, and so as we talked about this, we wanted to, to find these men uh, within our congregation where others within our congregation would almost kind of look at that and be like, well, kind of duh. Yeah, these guys are already serving in these kinds of roles that we're talking about. And when I speak of Sam and I speak of Jerry, what I'm telling you today is that these guys are great leaders already within our congregation. Amen? You guys know that about them. They're great, incredible leaders. Let me tell you what I love about them more than anything, not just their leadership, what I love and respect about them and what many of you love and respect about them so much is they're not only great leaders, they are great servants. They are servant leaders. They are, they are two of the greatest servant leaders I have ever known. These two men make me better whenever I am around them. They sharpen that kind of iron sharpening iron whenever I am with them. That is what happens. And we didn't want to say, well, we really need more elders. Let's just put anybody in that position. We'll just kind of raise the position up and just fill it with a warm body. And maybe we'll kind of hope that person will grow into that. Or, or maybe at some point they'll start feeling called to it or anything. We didn't find that to be biblical. We saw that it was more of a calling. It's more of not just filling a role. It's a calling. It's something that God must call you to do. Because in essence, what it is, and we talked about it, it's pastoring, right? It's pastoring. That's what shepherding is. It's pastoring. And, and these guys are two of the, the greatest uh, shepherds and pastors in that way that I've known. And we looked at who was already serving, who was already in some of these elder-like roles, who was already doing this. And these two men were very clear to both Randy and and myself. And I, I can't even begin with the time, just the few moments that I have to, to tell you all the ways that these men serve, because most of them are ways that are unseen. You don't see a lot of the things that they do. You see Jerry working with our life groups and especially helping to assimilate 
new members into our church. He's been doing that for some time now. In fact, how many of you have gone through the newcomers process under Jerry's leadership? Would you raise your hands? Look around. You need to look around and see that. That is awesome. It was the same way in the first service this morning that many of you, some of you know you need to go through that process, all right? All right, just saying. And, but some of you have been through that. And, and some of our healthiest small groups have spun out of that newcomers process that we have. I mean, people that are just doing life together and that love each other. They have spun out of that together. It's been incredible. He loves people. He loves the church. He loves Jesus. He loves serving you. He's up here early on a regular basis on Sunday mornings, serving alongside with his wife, Liz, who is our preschool minister. He's been married to Liz for 56, 56, 57 years. And you got to know, as I said in the first service, and, and Liz, um, Liz, Liz was giving me grief about this, but that requires a lot of patience, right? Okay, all right. I'm kidding, but maybe I'm not. I don't know. No, we love Liz too. She's amazing. Um, Sam is perhaps the most humble man that I'm, I'm being honest. He's the most humble man probably I have ever known. And he will tell you that, okay? He'll let, all right. He won't. He's never said anything like that. He really is, he really is the most humble man I think I've ever met. And I'm always just taken back by his humility. He makes me better when I am around him. And I love that about him. I love the kind of servant that he is. I love as I've watched him go through uh, trials and difficulties. And I've seen his faith and how grounded he is in God. And he trusts in God's sovereignty. I've seen that over and over again in his life. I see that in his wife, Macy, as well as she serves in a number of different ways, just as Liz serves in so many different ways. And this, they're, just, they're just amazing families. And when we approached Sam, as well as Jerry, when we approached Sam, he was not quick to jump into this. He wanted to study this for himself. He researched it biblically. He challenged us biblically. He told us that he wants to be sure that it's not just going to turn into some red tape bureaucracy and, in his words, make this church fat and unable to get anything done. He was very adamant about that. He said, I want to be sure that more than anything, it's about shepherding. He said, as I shared about shepherding, he said, that's what I wanted to hear. That it's about shepherding people. That it's about loving people. He loves EBC. In fact, when we talked to him about whenever we had decided to hire Danny in the worship pastor role, as Sam was, was contemplating that and we were contemplating that, when we decided to, as, as the Lord led us to hire Danny, Sam's statement to me was, I'm not just called to worship or to be a worship t pastor. He said, Bart, I feel called to this church. And when he said that at that moment, I knew that I wanted to work with Sam Red. At that moment, I knew this. That Sam was called to be a shepherd at EBC. I knew that that, that was the case. And, and, and I look forward to seeing how that continues to grow in the future. As we approached we approached a couple of other men within our church to, to pray about this. And, and they prayerfully considered. And these two men, these others that are, excuse me, these other three that we spoke to said that this was not the right time, that God was not calling them to this at this point. And what that told me was that they were taking it serious and that they were mature enough to recognize that this is a calling. And when God calls them, then that time will be right. But until then, 
But you don't just put just anybody in there. It needs to be a calling. And I was so appreciative of that. As we said, would you be, would you be interested in, in checking this process out with us? And so what Sam and Jerry are going to do is make their lives open before you over the next 90 days. And we, that being Randy and I, have already been observing them and watching them as they go through their everyday life and seeing as they go through challenges. And your part in this is to look at those qualities that we have taught about in 1 Timothy and in the book of Titus and see those qualities. And if for some reason you believe that they are not qualified or you believe that they have they do not possess those biblical characteristics, then I want to invite you to come and to speak to me personally or to speak to Randy or to both of us. And this is your part in this, is this observation period over these next 90 days. You, you are not to, if you see something wrong or know something wrong, to go and to talk to a bunch of other people about that because let me tell you what that is. That's gossip. And that's sinful. What you would we would ask you to do is we would ask you to come to us because we are taking this very seriously. These men and their families are taking this very seriously. We as a church want to take it very seriously. And in these next months, as we go through this together, these men have agreed to help us kind of flesh out what these responsibilities are going to look like more, how long they will serve, how we will go about appointing more elders as we grow giving relief to those who might need a break or sabbatical time. And folks, this is like steering a big freight liner on the ocean. It's not like turning a speedboat on a dime. As the church has grown, you want to be careful and be certain that you're doing things biblical and right and that the right people are in the right places because you know that the enemy would love nothing more than for the wrong people to get in places of leadership within a church. And that's what kills it faster than anything else. And so I'm going to ask you to be in prayer for Sam and for Jerry and for their families. In fact, I'm going to ask you to join me in prayer now. We're not going to lay hands on them today. Um, We will, uh, if they still feel called to this through this observation period and everything checks out the way that we believe that it will and know that it will, we're we're going to formally install them later on sometime in the fall months. But I do want to ask you to pray with me now. And can we pray for them? Can you pray with me for our church? Could you, we, we want to ask you to pray for your leaders. Pray for us that as we're doing this, that we're doing this the right way. Pray for the protection of your church as we begin to transition through different kinds of things. And as we begin to, to, to make these moves now. I want to ask you just to join me in prayer now. Let's pray. God, these are exciting times in our church. And we are so humbled and we are so grateful, Lord, that in spite of us, Lord, you continue to bless. Lord, you continue to entrust more people into our care. And because of that, Lord, we want to be responsible. We want to be certain, Lord, that that our church is a healthy church. We want to be sure that, Lord, that that we are not going to be reactive, Lord, when when we relocate as we anticipate even more growth. Lord, we want to be sure that right now, no matter what building we're in, no matter where we worship, Lord, that we are functioning as a healthy church family. And so today we've addressed church leadership. And Lord, we know there's so many other things we can say about that today. 
But Lord, we wanted to begin this process of presenting these two who are considering this position and this calling of eldership within our church to come alongside Pastor Randy and myself. Lord, I ask that you would give Sam and Jerry wisdom in this process, that you would give us wisdom. Lord, I ask that you would protect them. Lord, I ask that you would bless them. Lord, protect their families, bless their families. Lord, may we as a church love them and support them as, Lord, they have just have, have felt a calling to this as they make their lives transparent before the congregation. What a beautiful process and a beautiful time in our church. We're excited, Lord, about what you're doing. And it's in Jesus' name that I pray. Now, Pastor Randy's going to pray for all of you today. Father, I just thank you that we can we can grow spiritually as individuals we can grow in a healthy manner we can shepherd our families we can shepherd our neighbors we can shepherd those that we work with God and it's our responsibility to do so that we can be accountable to one another that we can be in relationship God would you just guide us as individuals as we seek to follow you and your example that we might be healthy individuals and as we gather together that church that's called out to bring glory to your name for it's in Jesus name we pray amen